Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, your liberty-loving Latino amigo, right here in New York City. It's a snowy day outside. Things are upside down in Washington, D.C. 52% of Americans that are polled think that the election was rigged. And this is according to a new poll from uh, pollster John McLaughlin, McLaughlin Associates. But first, I want to talk about a security guard. A security guard who kind of uh, makes sure that people don't cut the line right outside of our old studio at Two Penn Plaza, 17 floors above Madison Square Garden right here in New York City. I'm not in New York City today, but I am in New York, just north of the Bronx in a undisclosed bunker because of being snowed in. But we spent a bunch of time, right, 17 floors above Madison Square Garden, saw all the things, saw the metamorphosis that happened there, went from one of the nicest places in Midtown and one of the nicest buildings to becoming probably one of the ugliest and seediest parts of New York City where, you know, the homeless now live there. Penn Station used to be a vibrant hub with lots of things to sell and lots of places to eat and shop and do things. And and I'd say in the last three, four years, it's gotten progressively worse. So yeah, the progressives nailed it there. It's gotten progressively worse. My family has had a business down there for a little bit. That business has been decimated because of the homeless moving in and travelers not being allowed to travel because of coronavirus. So it comes as no surprise to me when I get an email uh, from Curtis Sliwa. He's forwarding me something from the New York Post. Big shout to Curtis Sliwa for keeping me in the loop. And Curtis sends me this Post article with uh, a headline about security guard stabs somebody in the face. Now, this guy who is a security guard, he's one of the people that's outside when you're going to hail a cab and you have to make a line. And he makes sure you don't cut the line. There's like a little um, guard shack that he hangs out in. And he or she, whoever it is that's doing the job that day. And apparently he gets into this, I'm going to use the word kerfuffle, that goes to fisticuffs, right, with the uh, with this person. And they're on the floor and they're grappling. And the security guard, he grabs a, uh, a knife, a pen. I don't know. You really can't see it in the video. But they start fighting. And he cuts his face. And he's like jabbing him in the face. And there's a cop there. And you can see the police sergeant. He jumps in grabs the uh, the guy that's getting stabbed off of the guy that was doing the stabbing and uh, you know and then the video ends but it's it's action-packed and people are all around and they're grabbing their phones and one guy's talking to somebody he's like yeah I'm on the phone could be 911 but I want you to listen to this audio of these guys fighting because it's really uh, it's really action-packed it's very short but it just goes to show you here's what's going on in New York City this was just yesterday check this out Penn Station. 
When the two men are grappling on the ground, holding each other's hands. Yes, can you take the camera right here? Yeah, I caught a cop for them. The cops is here now. I took the video, everything. And they continue scuffling and they're just going at it. And finally the cop comes and takes them off and the security guards and the passers-by and everybody's just going at it. And it's a tussle. And it's, it's a short video. But I played the audio so you can get a little bit of the vibe of what was going on where even though people cared and people were like, you know, you could hear that it, it's there's a degree of apathy where they're, they're not freaking out because they're, you know why? They've seen this before. They've been through this before. They're like, ah. Oh, here we go, another street fight, another person laying on the ground bloody. And it really gives you pause, at least it gives me pause, when sometimes I realize, wow, how did we get used to, how did I become accustomed to walking by human beings laying on the street? It's unfathomable. And, you know, honestly, the wake-up call that I got, because you do get used to it. You literally hop over people, climb over people. It's, it's just, it's commonplace in midtown Manhattan. And one day I was watching, um, I wasn't really watching it, I was doing some show prep. And the TVs were on. And America's mayor, Rudy Giuliani, came out. And he gave a, um, a critique on the current state of affairs. This was probably a year ago. And he was critiquing de Blasio, Mayor de Blasio, and Governor Cuomo. Better known here as Bill El Bobo de Blasio and Essential Andy Cuomo from the Essential Andy Cuomo podcast. He said something so profound yet so simple. We can't let people live on the streets. It's wrong to let people sleep on the street. I don't know what's wrong with this mayor. And I thought to myself, wow, it's that simple. It's wrong to let other humans live on the street. Yet that's become so commonplace here in New York. And this isn't a segment necessarily on homelessness. It was really just on the sad state of affairs in New York City. And, you know, the surrounding areas of New York City, like me, I'd commute from a suburb in Jersey, in uh, Jersey, Bergen County. I commute into the city. Others live in Long Island. And that's why it comes as no surprise if you live on Long Island and you come to the city. I've seen people, you know, they're arming themselves, whether it's carrying a knife, whether it's carrying a pepper spray, whatever it is, people are concerned to come into Manhattan. So I get another article sent to me, and this one was fascinating, was about handgun permit applications, gun sales, going through the roof on Long Island. And this one was sent to me by uh, John Katsimatidis, who happens to live out on Long Island. And I thought to myself, wow. And I tried to get a, a guest on this, believe it or not. I wanted to talk to a, the owner of a gun shop. And believe it or not, I could not get a gun owner or a gun shop owner to get back to me in time to do this story. But I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, wow, look at that. 80% spike in Nassau County. This is according to Newsday. Compared with all of 2019, a 143% increase in Suffolk at least according to their uh, the county police departments in five of their largest towns. Wow, 80%. So, I mean, just let's put that in context. Think of all your friends. Just pick 10 of your friends and put them in your brain, in your mind's eye. 80 of them, that would be eight. Eight out of 10 of your friends have just gotten a handgun application and bought a pistol or a, a semi-automatic. And 143%, that's out of your 10 friends, they bought 14.3 guns. <laughs> Wow. I mean, I just, you really look at that and you say, wow, maybe the old saying 
an armed society is a polite society is about to become a reality. Because the truth is, if the police won't do their jobs, and and I'm not faulting the police, I, I, there's law enforcement in my family, uh, multiple generations, I salute the NYPD. But if the police won't do their jobs because they can't do their jobs, because prosecutors won't bring charges, and the charges that they're alleging get dropped by the prosecutor, you in effect have a revolving door. And if a judge won't issue bail to you know, remand somebody into custody, then what? That's where you have the problem. You have this lawlessness. So if you erase or remove the police from the equation, you're walking down the street. It used to be, right? You walk down the street, somebody attacks you, you push them off, help, scream, ah, police, police. Cop comes, hits him with the billy club, whatever, handcuffs him, enforces the law, keeps the place safe. Now that's not a thing because there's less cops due to coronavirus, budget cuts, whatever. They brought new cops. There's a ton of retirees. Bottom line is you're on your own. You can call 911 if you can get to the phone in time, but nothing's really going to happen because even when the cops are on the scene, they're outnumbered. So what are people going to do? Well, people are going to begin to arm themselves, and we can see that's true. I mean, unless everybody's buying a gun for Christmas. So, oh, you know, I've always wanted one of those. I'm going to put it in, you know, my wife's stocking. Maybe, maybe. But when you have 80% increase in Nassau County with all of 2019 and 143% in Suffolk County's five largest towns, according to the uh, county's police departments, I think, you know, you got, you've got quite an increase there. So I want to talk about this a little bit more. I want your views on it. If you want to get me on the phone, it's 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. Or you can get me online with uh, whichever social media you like. I'm at Rich Valdez on all of the social media, at Rich Valdez. But I want to get into this article because there's a few more facts in here that I think is interesting. Plus, what can we expect in January 6th? or on January 6th, or in the coming days leading up to January 6th. There's a whole bunch of new data that's coming out with respect to the hacking that occurred and how that may have been a way bigger, and instead of months-long attack, some are speculating it may be a years-long attack uh, or leading up to it. And up next, gun sales in New York are up, and I'm sure they're up all across America, so keep it locked right there. I am Rich Valdez. You're listening to This Is America. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. This is America. He's got the best head of hair in podcasting. This is America with Rich Valdez. All right, welcome back, America. I am Rich Valdez, and gun sales are up in New York. Now, nationally, surveys have shown that an increase in firearm sales and new gun registration are also spiking. One indicator the FBI reported back uh, in uh, a few months ago with respect to gun sales hitting an all-time high of $28 million by the fall, so by September. Interesting stuff. And a lot of this they're saying is the result of the George Floyd killing and the BLM riots and Antifa being on the streets and burning down court buildings. And people said, man, if this is how they're going to treat the cops, how are they going to treat me? And that's a legitimate point. And this is why I think it's important that we, we know what we do when we vote for people. And we can't always get emotional when we vote for people. 
and you're thinking, well, what do you mean getting emotional? Well, I mean, either way, whether it's I love my country, I have to vote for the most patriotic person. Yeah, that's good, but let's make sure we look at their policy too. And not taking a slight at anybody, I'm just saying we need to focus on what's good for America, not just because we say it's good for America. Let's really know what's good for America. Let's really focus on what's good for liberty, what's good for the Constitution moving forward, which I consequently think Trump was good for all of those things. But that's not always the case with every candidate. So you want to know what's going on. Another, uh, I'm going to say wolf in sheep's clothing that I think a lot of people didn't bargain on but now has way too much power, at least in her district, is our favorite congresswoman from the Bronx and Queens, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Now, AOC, all out crazy, she, um, she's gotten herself into a little bit of a pickle because her first day on the job, if you remember that, 2019, after she got sworn in and she won the election in 2018, she joined a sit-in in Speaker Pelosi's office because she was, you know, going head-to-head with Pelosi and has continued to go head-to-head. And they made peace for a little while, but she's continued to go head-to-head. And even though she was named the Goya Foods Employee of the Month in December, just about a week ago, Goya Foods named Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez AOC All Out Crazy Employee of the Month when her boycott helped to spike his sales, and that's uh, CEO Bob Unanwe, who, by the way, I did a great interview with Bob Unanwe. If you want to check it out, it's on wabcradio.com. Just go into the search bar and put Goya, and you will uh, be able to hear it. He's a really good guy, had a lot of really interesting perspectives on things, especially his interaction at the White House. But back to AOC. She was on this podcast, and uh, everybody's talking about it, and of course I'm talking about it. And I mentioned it last night, but I want to mention it again because I think it's important when we we look at this and we say, wow, so she agrees with herself, or at least with me, that she's not ready for the speaker job. She's not ready to be speaker of the house. She says the house is very complex, but at the same time, she's in the house, which is like, well, if it's so complex, I mean, <laughs> uh, can you do it or can you not do it? And then she says she can't do it. So I find it interesting, but I want you to hear what AOC has to say. Check this out. Well, you know, I do think that we need new leadership in the Democratic Party. I think one of the things that I have struggled with, I think that a lot of people struggle with, is the internal dynamics of the House has made it such that there's very little option for succession, if you will. You know, and I think that one could just I I think it's easy for someone to say, oh, well, you know, why don't you run? But the house is extraordinarily complex and I'm not ready. (laughs) It can't be me. I know that I couldn't do that job. And so even conservative uh, members of the party who think Nancy Pelosi is far too liberal for them don't necessarily have any viable alternatives, which is why whenever there's a challenge, it kind of collapses. Um, And that is, I think, the result of just many years of power being concentrated in leadership with a lack of, you know, real grooming of a next generation of leadership. All right. So lack of grooming the next generation of leadership. Now, what's interesting about that is this is, in effect, politics. Politics is all about influencing the balance of power and getting that power. So I think she's sounds to me like she's complaining or at least critiquing the way the process works. She's thinking, well, you know, I think that if you're Pelosi, you should be grooming the next generation because you're 80 years old. You're going on 81. You're clearly on your way out. Where was she going to go? Is Pelosi going to do another 20 years in Congress? Of course not. 
So AOC thinks logically, you should be preparing me as part of the bench. Just like I aspire to be part of the bench of talk radio for, you know, when the great generation of talk radio people that we have today moves on into their retirement and their golden years, one could only hope to be able to achieve that level of success that so many talk radio greats have. So I get that uh, from a career perspective. However, politics plays a very interesting role because it's Pelosi's job to hold the power. It's not her job to build the team. Some may think it is. But her job is to hold the power, to concentrate that power, and to have her way in the House. And I think she does it. Now, she may do it by hook or by crook, and that's her way of doing it. But nonetheless, she got AOC saying things like that, saying things like, I can't do the job, but we need new people. So basically, I think to me, that sounds like AOC waving the white flag. And... She's not going to give up on what she believes in. She's not going to give up on her ideology. Of course not. But it seems or it sounds like she's complaining about the way that her ideas got destroyed. Destroyed. And when I say that, I mean both the Republicans and the Democrats. Republicans were saying, oh, you're a Democrat? You stand for defund the police. Oh, you're a Democrat? You want to burn down American cities. It clearly didn't work for them. And I think that's part of the reason. I'm going to theorize a little bit. I don't always theorize, but part of what I believe is the reason that we're theorizing right now is because I think the Democrats were always prepared to use dominion, use these law changes, use every quiver they had, uh, every arrow they had in their quiver to win this election. And I think they felt confident that, you know, if we do the mail-in balloting and we... Uh, continue to scare people to death using our partners, our friends in the media, laying that cover fire, scaring the crap out of everyone. That, you know, if you don't wear a mask, you are murdering people. You have killed someone's grandfather if you don't wear a mask. When they scare the crap out of people and they, this hyper-demagoguery, I think they felt, we're going to win, or we should win. We're very confident we're going to win. Even though I think running Joe and Kamala was kind of like, hey, look, we don't have much of a shot, but we'll do what we can do. And then I think as things went on, they realized, you know what? These guys are never going to win. They, had, they, they have no intention of winning, neither Joe nor Kamala. So I think people, and I don't know who, they said, you know what? We've got to figure out a way we're going to make sure we win. So that's when Mark Elias, you know, enters the scene. And he's like, oh, don't worry. You can run the worst candidate ever. We're going to change the rules. You just got to make sure the guys in the media scare everybody so that they'll vote. Okay, we got that part done. Then we got to change this and we got to do that. And then, oh, well, what about the machines? You know, remember when Carolyn Maloney and others were saying that those machines were, were funny business and Texas rejected them? Maybe we can get some of those and make sure we use those. And, of course, there's influence, right? It's, it comes as no surprise to me that Eric Swalwell got caught with his pants down, literally, by Fang Fang. Now, this is a very common thing. There's nothing new to opposing governments, foreign governments, sending people to the United States to do stuff. I mean, we just, last year, it was a big story, Maria Bettina, the Russian spy that was had infiltrated the NRA and ingratiated herself, and a lot of people are like, no way, not her. And yeah, it was her. And she was a Soviet, well, not Soviet spy, but a Russian spy. And it was a thing, and they found her, and they caught her, and etc., so it, it's, it should not surprise anybody that there are spies and people are trying to steal secrets and gain influence. And even if it's just, 
to be somebody's girlfriend or to be um, uh, a, an occasional tryst of theirs for, in the case of Congressman Swalwell. You look at that and you, you know that that is a thing. You know that this is known as a honey trap. So why, you know, do you let your guard down? Well, maybe a lot of politicians get sloppy. I mean, after all, many of them can be narcissistic. They get into this because they like the sound of their own voice. They like to be on TV. They like to be in the media. I get it. I understand. doesn't sound too far-fetched for a talk radio person, right? The difference is I don't have to vote on things for America. I don't have to do those things. So they're sworn to do a job. So when you have those people that fall victim to that, and you know that this is an issue that's out there, this is a concern. Just the way China, Soviet Union, which is now Russia, and that that block of communists have affected people directly. It would come as no surprise to me if China was saying, well, I've heard that these voting machines are weak. They may have nothing to do with us. But if we can get a few people, you know, if we can grease a few wheels to make sure that this large county makes sure that they're using that and that that's using that and we could finagle away, then yeah, it makes sense. Let's push that. Let's, let's, make, it, let's make it work. And I, this is how things happen. I only have a couple minutes before the break, so I wanna, I'm going to share a story with you, a quick one. A friend of mine was a city council person. I'm not going to get into the state because I don't want to put him out there even though it's public record. And one day he calls me and he tells me, hey, I want you to pray for me. I'm really in a bad spot. And I said, what's going on? And he said, I got into a bad situation with some very dangerous people. And I was like, what are you talking about? Now, he, he's also um, in the ministry. And I had done some ministry work years ago. So we had an affinity and we knew each other through politics. And he tells me just... These people call me. I don't know where they're calling from. I think they're Russians, is what he tells me. And this is about six, seven, eight, nine years ago. I think these Russians are trying to bribe me so I can help them get some property because he was connected with a zoning board or chaired it or whatever it was. And he says, they won't leave me alone. I told them no. They want me to take a sabbatical from my job so I can work for them as a consultant. I told them no. They dropped $60,000 into my account. I don't even know how they got my account number. I was like, wow. He's like, yeah, I'm, these are big league guys and I don't know what to do. So, you know, I did. I said a prayer for him and his family and I didn't hear from him for quite a while until there was some big news about a big corruption arrest. And then there he was on TV. He had been arrested as part of this big sting in politics. And uh, after he went to jail and all this stuff, he called me and he said, man, what a relief when they kicked open my front door with those machine guns. I was fearing for my life, for my wife, for my kid. And when they yelled, FBI, get on the floor, he said, man, I was like, whew, the good guys are here. Turns out the people, they weren't Russians. They weren't the Russian mob or Russian anything. They were actors, informants, whatever it was. It was the FBI trying to set him up. And every step of the way, they were seeing how much you know he would take. And he ultimately was close to beating this on an appeal because he didn't do it, but they shoved some money on him and he didn't shove it back. And that got caught on videos, like $1,200 in an envelope in Atlantic City. And uh, he told me, they gave me this money and they were like, oh, go have fun at the slot machines or whatever. And he was like, I was shocked. I didn't know what to do. I was just kind of frozen and they closed the door. So, you know, I didn't know what to do. 
And I could see myself doing something like that, honestly, going, uh, I, I, don't, I don't want this, but not knowing how to respond and not to offend somebody that's being so generous. And, you know, it'll take a minute before I go, nah, nah, you know what? Take that. I mean, we're going back a decade. Point is, he got caught up with some people, thought it was the bad guys, turned out to be the good guys that were doing a political corruption thing. It was the United States Attorney's Office working with the FBI to do this. That is real life. Those things really happen. People know about stuff like that. So for Swalwell to get caught up in this, for AOC's whole entire worldview to be compromised the way it has, in my opinion, by Russia, by China, because she's literally doing their work. This this whole idea of a general strike is ripped from the pages of, of Marxism. This is what they did. This is how they coalesced the people against each other. And she does that. And it seems like she's having an awakening. I can only hope that she'll continue to have that awakening, but I think she's realized this isn't about doing the right thing for the people. What these people in Washington do is oftentimes just criminal. And it looks like she just got a taste of that because they've pushed her out because they've realized we don't want your damn defund the police. We don't want your damn Green New Deal. Nobody likes it. Everybody's like it's going to destroy us all. And I think her head is spinning. And that's why she sounded so deflated in that interview. But keep it locked right there because up next... We're going to talk about what's happening in D.C., what we can expect, and so much more. You're listening to This Is America. I'm Rich Valdez. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. This is America. Bienvenido, America. Now, Washington, D.C. is going nuts. I don't know if it's the snow or the pressure. We still don't know what's happening with the presidential election. Now, a lot of people say, well, that's all been figured out. You're just living in denial, Rich. You're just, uh, oh, you're one of those. Oh, I didn't know you were so naive, so gullible. I can't believe you believe all of that grift and all of the lies that your orange leader feeds you. I mean, you have to hear the things I, I read as comments and the insults that I get. And I just think, man, if you only knew. I don't... Um, live in any fantasy. I realize that the president is fighting hard, that he legitimately won, and this is what I was trying to say before, is that I believe he did well in the election, and they had to go above and beyond and cheat a little extra to ensure that they would not get this guy, and I would not be surprised in the least if these Democrats had to cut a deal and say, all right, look, you've had enough. You had four years with your guy. It's time for us to move on. we got to get back to our plan. Because people get dirt on people this way. I'm not saying it in any specific sense. I'm saying, you know, I'm not going to sit here. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. So I'm not going to say, well, they probably have something on Chief Justice Roberts. I want to know what they have on him. I don't care what they have on him. If they got something, they got something. The key is to not get something, to keep your nose clean. Stay away from that stuff. That's how you survive. Don't get caught up in the mix. Don't get caught up in the mess. But... My point is, there is a mix out there. There is a mess out there, and you have to avoid that. So now you have Republican legislators, state legislators, that have filed subpoenas in Arizona. They filed subpoenas in Michigan. This is big, because these guys are sending different electors to Washington. 
And there's a, a legitimate process for that. You have federal hearings that have been conducted where they're throwing down. You know, the Senate has always had these rules of collegiality where, you know, when you, when you see these guys debating, they might get passionate about their cause, but they never say, because you're an idiot, shut up. You know, it, it never. You're not allowed. You're not allowed to be rude to your colleague. You have to say my colleague, my friend, my friend from Wisconsin, the gentleman from New York, the gentlewoman from Kentucky. Right? You have to follow the rules when you're on the floor. That's just how it is. And that's why we've been a successful, part of why we've been as successful as a democracy. Now, some people have mastered this, and while they're using collegiality on the floor, they use, you know, nefarious criminality outside in real life, and that does nothing for America except hurt America. But you have this higher degree of, listen, we're part of the 100 senators. There's only, one, there's only 100 U.S. senators on the whole planet. So they hold themselves to a different standard and they try to be prim and proper. I get it. And presidents try to do the same thing. And I've always thought, why? If they were to just break the uh, mold a little bit, we might be able to get some things done for the people. Instead of holding up the pomp and circumstance as the prize, let's hold up the people and our republic as the prize. And I think Trump is the only one in my lifetime, maybe Reagan, but I was really little, that actually saw that and did that, both in word and in deed. But yesterday, in the federal hearing into irregularities and discrepancies and in the 2020 election, the Senate Committee on Homeland Security and Government Administration held a hearing looking at these things and two senators went at it. The chair, Ron Johnson, went at it with Senator Gary Peters from Wisconsin. And Peters basically was saying that Russia doesn't need disinformation anymore. They simply promote Trump's false statements and libeled or attempted to libel the, the chairman, Ron Johnson. And Ron Johnson, Ron Johnson blasted him back while he was trying to get Rand Paul into the mix to share a few comments on this. So I want you to hear it because it was a really good hearing and we only have a, a minute or, or so of it, but I want you to hear it to get an idea of the passion and the the fervor in which the debate is going on in Washington. People are truly trying to move things forward and there are people that are really trying to keep the swamp swampy. Listen to uh, Senator Ron Johnson. Check this out. And I just have to point out that the purveyors of Russian disinformation Hillary Clinton's campaign, the DNC, the Steele dossier, the ranking member Peters accusing Senator Grassley and I of disseminating uh, Russian disinformation, that's where the disinformation is coming. That's where the false information, the, the lies, the false allegations. I can't sit by here and listen to this and say that this is, this is not disinformation, this hearing today. This is getting information we have to take a look at to restore confidence in our election integrity. We, we're not going to be able to just move on without bringing up these irregularities, examining them, and providing an explanation and see where there really are problems so we can correct it moving forward. 
Senator Paul. Mr. Mr. Chairman, I got to respond to that. I mean, you're saying I'm putting out Try. information. Well, one, I did had nothing to do with this report. You're you you lied repeatedly. I did not you lied this. repeatedly in the press that I was spreading Russian, dis, Russian disinformation, and that was an outright lie. And I told you to stop lying, and you continue to do it. Mr. Chairman, this is not about airing your grievances. I know what I don't know what rabbit hole you're running down. You right talked now. about you Russian disinformation. Rabbit holes. Senator Paul, this is simply not what we're Senator dealing Paul. with. Senator Paul, Mr. Chairman, you can't make Judge these false Starr. allegations. And then drop it at there. That is why this Paul. needs to return back Good to its star, Senator Paul. partisan things. This is this is this is terrible. What you're doing to this committee and all the great work that you talked about. It is what you have done to this committee. It is not falsely the case. accusing the chairman of spreading disinformation. Nothing could have been further from the truth, and you're spouting it again, which is why I had this to respond, is, oh, Senator Paul. It is what he's done with his colleagues to America. That's to me the the most egregious thing that's happened. These guys are turning a blind eye to things. Oh, that's a glitch. Oh, that's here. This is something I myself have become guilty of, right? I I look at fraud. I look at rampant bad things in our American um, body politic and the system around it. And I, I, I go, yeah, yeah, that's just how that goes. Yeah, no. You know, I, I have these talks with my brother. And he's always like, but that's crazy, Richie. And I'm like, yeah, but that's how they do it. You know, they steal money. They launder it this way. It's really this is how it's always been since before I was born. And they look at me like I've got four heads. And it made me realize, you know what? We should not accept that. We've gone very far away from doing the right thing all the time. And we need to get back to doing the right thing because we've lost our way. As a people, we've lost our virtue. And this is why the founders talked so much about virtue and being virtuous. Because without it, this system doesn't work. The system crumbles in corruption, but it thrives in virtue. I want you to listen to what Senator Rand Paul had to say. Check this out. A lot of the laws that have to be confirmed and I think reaffirmed are state laws, so it's not in our purview, but the state laws are set and then we have federal elections. So what we've heard about what happened in Wisconsin, what happened in Nevada, I think is absolutely true. We have to prevent it from happening again. I think state legislators legislatures will need to reaffirm that election law can only be chained by a state legislature. So I think there's a lot of work to be done. While we will not dictate it to the states, I think we should have hearings going into the next year, hearing from state legislatures and what they're going to do to make sure election law is upheld, not changed by people who are not legislators. And we do have an interest in that. I don't want it to be federalized. Many on the other side of the aisle would just soon federalize it and mail everybody a ballot and we'll have this universal corruption throughout the land. But what I think we need to do is keep it at the state level. But we can't just say it didn't happen. We can't just say, oh, 4,000 people voted in Nevada that were non-citizens and we're just going to ignore it. We're going to sweep it under the rug and say, oh, the courts have decided the facts. The courts have not decided the facts. The courts never looked at the facts. The courts don't like elections and so they stayed out of it by finding an excuse, standing or otherwise, to stay out of it. But the fraud happened, the election in many ways was stolen, and the only way it'll be fixed is by, in the future, reinforcing the laws. That's right. It's the only way we fix it. We have to deal with the problem. Otherwise, we're going to repeat the problem. And that's the problem. There's a lot of problems in there. Anyway, what happens now is people have to vote on the Electoral College, which they did on the 14th. You have dueling sets of electors. So you keep hearing this about people that are willing to cast their vote for Trump saying, no, 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 Trump won this state. And then other people saying, no, 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 Biden won this same state. Now, when it happened in 2016, Biden did not 
because he was president of the Senate and his role as vice president of the United States, he didn't accept any of the challenges and no other senators stepped up. They let Trump have the win because they realized he won fair and square. There was no dispute in the election. That's not the case. That's not the case now. You clearly have the president saying, I believe that I was wronged. I believe that there's major discrepancies. You have others saying, we found some discrepancies that don't meet the discrepancy that you're talking about, Mr. President. You have Mike Pence, who's been out there headlining rallies for Stop the Steal and and the Trump march. So it will come as no surprise to me when Vice President Pence, as President of the United States Senate, signs on with Mo Brooks and others that intend to back up members of the House that choose to reject certain groups of electors and not certify the final vote in Congress and accept that uh, vote on January 6th. And if that happens, we're headed towards something I described in a podcast I did a couple of weeks ago. This is America with Rich Valdez. You can check that out wherever you get your podcasts or on wabcradio.com. But I talked about the 1876 election where they killed people, they cheated, they stole ballots, they did a lot of things. And after they said that the Republican had lost, he ended up winning and serving as the 19th president of the United States. Now, this is a different situation, but that was the last time we actually had a contested election in Congress. And the country went into something called interregnum. You can Google that, look it up, do your own research. I don't perceive that to be the case. I think they fixed that problem then with the 1877 Compromise and the Electoral College Act, and that's why we're doing things now the way we're doing them. But I would expect for this to get contentious, and I would not be surprised in the least if President Trump walks away from this victorious because I believe he won the election. I don't believe that Biden's victory was 100% legitimate, which means It's like being pregnant. You can't be a little bit pregnant. You're either pregnant or you're not. So you either are legitimate or you're not. And in this case, I would say the Biden victory was illegitimate. All that being said, we're going to have a lot to look out for when these things happen. Why did this happen? Because the Supreme Court decided to punt on everything. This is why we need a court that's going to be courageous. This is why we need a citizenry that's going to be courageous. I always say if we stand for nothing, we will fall for anything. That's why we need to stand up and rise up and know something and do something and read something because knowledge is power. And like Sir Edmund Burke said, the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people to do nothing. So don't let that happen. It's up to you. America needs you more now than she's ever needed you. Hasta la próxima. I'm Rich Valdez and this is America. This is America. 